This episode of Nerd Cognito is brought to you by... What? No sponsor this week? We have no sponsor this week. Well, then I'm going to take this opportunity to thank each and every one of you that supported Nerd Cognito during our most recent fundraiser drive. You know what I'm talking about, those Sparkle Troll t-shirts. Thank you if you supported the show with a Sparkle Troll t-shirt. You kept the fires burning just a little bit longer for us. And if you are interested in sponsoring an episode of Nerd Cognito and having us talk about it right here at the front of a show... It's simple. Just drop an email to nerdcognitopodcast at gmail.com and inquire about how you can be the next show sponsor. So thank you to everybody that supported us and thank you for considering support in the future. Now, on with the show. Another week rolls by, another episode of Nerd Cognito comes at you at the device of your choice. Hey, that's how these podcast things work. <laughs> My name is Ryan David. Uh, how's it going, everybody? I'm joined, as always, by Bert. Hello, Bert. Hey, Ryan. How's it going? Oh, you know, it's busy, but not bad by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, we did conclude our Sparkle Troll t-shirts supporting Nerd Cognito fundraiser drive. Uh, so that's good. I don't have to holler at people about t-shirts anymore. Um, <laughs> felt a little short on the, the dollar amount, but uh, we should be good through November based on the preliminary numbers that are in. So that's a good thing, right? Awesome. Yeah, no, I want to take a minute. Uh, I know I did on the front of the show, but I, I sincerely want to appreciate those few and far between folks that bought a Sparkle Troll t-shirt because they were brave. And I I don't know if they were significantly overpriced. I always thought they were slightly overpriced. <laughs> but for a good reason, right? Um, but no, I, I appreciate all of the folks that supported us. Um, you know, our corner of the hobby really needs to, to mobilize and get behind each other as much as we can. And it's it's one thing that I've been pretty open about, you know, the the, the segment that I like to poke fun of a lot. Um, one thing they do very well is uh, they drive support for each other and their stuff, right? Uh, as evidenced by Darkly Dark and their one point whatever million dollars. Uh, we need to we need to do a better job of that in the OSR, so and the OSR adjacent because I still I, I always get pegged as OSR, but I'm not like stereotypical OSR right. guy. <laughs> I mean, I definitely am not. Do I personally prefer a crunchier system? Sure, but I'll play just about anything. Yeah, I mean, I I think if anything, I'm OSR adjacent. So what what did they call me like six months ago? One of the one of the big sparkle trolls before I got blocked, uh, I, th I believe it was SKR, <laughs> <laughs> uh, said that I'm the loudmouth uncle of the OSR. And, and <laughs> I, I, I like that one. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. Uh, th thanks, Sean. We appreciate it. Um, it was SKR. I think it was. I don't know. It doesn't matter because shortly after saying that, they blocked me, so I couldn't check it if I wanted to. <laughs> How was your week, my friend? 
I was pretty busy. I've been scrambling you know, nonstop all week, pretty much. Had a couple of game days in there and, uh, you know, been spending some time with family and stuff like that. So it's been kind of crazy. Indeed, indeed. You know what, what I think is driving me batty? This, I guess it's spring now, right? It's officially sure. spring. Yeah. Um, in our neck of the woods, the weather has been like a fucking seesaw, man. It's up, right. it's down, it's up, it's down, which is making yeah. the pollens go up and down and up and down, and my allergies can't take it anymore. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's been pretty heavy. 80 degrees one day, you know, 40 degrees the next, thunderstorms, you know, blazing sun. It's been <laughs> all over the place. It's been so bad that before I go to sleep at night, I ask my Google Assistant for the weather forecast, and I say, what will the weather be at 3 a.m.? And based on that, I know whether I need to switch the, the house from cooling to heating on a, on a <laughs> nightly basis. I'm not kidding you. This is not a an exaggeration. This is part of my practice now because Mother Nature, she'd be batshit crazy right now. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. My, the one night, my wife had me opening all the windows because it was blazing hot, and the next day, she was like, close all those windows because it's pouring rain. <laughs> well, and we had a window situation, too, you know. Windows are open, nice, you know, springtime weather breeze coming through. Uh, sat down to, to watch the boob tube, and all of a sudden, I'm shivering because it dropped 30 degrees in 20 minutes. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, but it can't control the weather by any stretch of the imagination. So why should I try? No. Um, I got some auras stuff done this week. Uh, it's still cranking out. I, I'm running up against the wall. I did say I wanted to get the character creation beta out by the end of April. And uh, it's going to be close. It might be in early it's May, but it, 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 it's coming along. I released the uh, Bastard Dragon uh, racial preview, and uh, it's been reasonably well received. I'm I'm kind of humbled by the response. I'll I'll have to send it to you because um, I know no, you're not on the up. Twitter. No, I'm not. Um, hang on one second. I'll let you take a peek at that because we've got time to fill this week. Yeah, yeah, it's only two pages, which is really like a page. Read through quick. Right, okay. I was just looking at the picture to start with. Yeah, uh, fast forward so that you had a chance to digest that. Uh, it ain't no fucking dragonborn, Bert. No, and it's not, you know, a kobold or a goblin that breeds like rabbits either. It's almost like a foundling race, which is a really cool sort of element. Yeah, and and it's rare, right? <laughs> As opposed to apparently what tromps around through the, the woods in 5th edition now. You know, there's, no, 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 no. My hand hit the button, even though it was apt. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. Uh, was it an accident or was it not an accident? You'll never know. You'll never know. <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, hammered down a, a couple of layout choices. Actually, when when this preview came out, um, once again, two weeks in a row, Patty gets a shout out. Uh, the preview, I wasn't exactly happy with the layout that initially uh, I published, right? And uh, first thing... 
Patty said, Patty's Parlor, which if you're not following them, give them a follow. Uh, great game designer slash artist slash just friend of the show and friend of the OSR. Um, no, you know, I got a, a reply saying, hey, you know, I don't know if you intentionally did this with the layout, but, and, and I said, you know, I wasn't happy with it, but I didn't really know how everyone else would feel. And based on that, I immediately switched it up to the version that you saw, and it flows much nicer. But yeah, no, the Bastard Dragon. Um, other people said, you know, why don't you call it Dragon Bastards? And I said, <laughs> no, well, it flows better, but it's not as memorable. And I don't remember where, but when I was doing my core research for this, there is one or two other fantasy properties that have things called dragon bastards. So uh, I wanted to be unique and I didn't want it to be, you know, dragon bastards. I wanted it to be bastard dragons. So, right. And plus, you know, dragon bastards gives you the, it brings to mind the idea of, uh, you know, shape change dragons out there siring, or, or, you know, a race of offspring. Whereas these are almost more like a, a cuckoo bird type of deal yeah They're, this is you know mystical magical we don't know what their origin is and it's a hodgepodge it's like someone put a bunch of races in a blender and hit puree but because the dragon blood is so magical and powerful and prominent that's the one thing that's consistent across them so yeah you could have a uh, bastard dragon that skews more human. You could have a bastard dragon that, that skews less human, maybe more orc or ma more feather folk. Oh, stay tuned. What the fuck's a feather folk? We'll find out. <laughs> uh, the other thing that drove me batty was the uh, the breath weapon, right? Mm -hmm. You got to have it. I mean, you really do. Uh, but I didn't want it to be what breath weapons are pretty much across the board now in in the hobby right i wanted it to be randomly generated so that the character is molded around who they actually are and so um that breath weapon table man i spent probably a full eight hour working day just fine-tuning that that table and that sounds insane right <laughs> but it's true um, and there's the percent, or there's always the possibility that you can nab a second breath weapon, although it's a 1% chance. Right. I mean, it's not, it's very unlikely, but it certainly is possible. Or a third happened. or a fourth, which, you know, is mathematically not going to happen, but it, it leaves it out there because, you know. There was the magical, mystical bastard dragon of yore that could do all of them. <laughs> <laughs> or so the clan mother told me when I was just a hatchling. Anyway, uh, that, that was that was the, the work end of my week. A lot of people also asked about the art. And uh, no hiding it. I've said it from day one. It's AI art. But it is a custom model that I created. And, you know... the. I've got some interesting feedback. How did you get the AI art so consistent? And the answer is it's consistent because it's my model, right? right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, I, I, I think that layout uh, worked well, and the preview was really interesting. If you're 
curious about the preview, um, follow Aura's RPG on Twitter. It's Aura's underscore RPG. And you can download it right now for the low, low price of free as cheap. Uh, it's just a two-page spread to sort of whet the appetite. I don't think I'm going to make the end of the month, Bert, for the full character creation beta. But it's going to be close. It's going to be close. I mean, I mean, you still got another week, so you might make it, but it's not, you know, I know a lot, I know how much work you've been putting into it, so. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, it'll be interesting. I can't wait to get something else to the table. That's like, I always say that, but something else that's mine to the table. I'm, I'm really excited to see this in, in a close to final form. And, uh, hey, guess who's going to be the first full play tester? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. No. Uh, once once there is a finished, consumed product, I, I have a handful of, of very reliable and quality individuals, both in the industry and with years and years of just experience as gamers that are looking at the stuff um, that I'm leaning heavily on right now just because... There's always, you know, pain points and balance issues that you don't see as a designer that you need another set of eyes to see. So, right, until you play something, you really don't know how it's going to shake out, whether it's something's going to show up that you thought was normal or was balanced, and it winds up being OP or it winds up being, you know, underpowered. And and hence the, the reason why I want to put this character creation beta out. It's going to be like 10 pages, just create a character. There's, there's no, I'm, I'm intentionally not releasing any of the, you know, nuts and bolts mechanics. I'm releasing what you need to create a character. I'm going to give you like three races and three classes, or excuse me, careers. I got to use my own lingo, right? Right. Um, and you can have at it. I, I opted not to go to classes as well because... Much like life, how often does one person stay in the same job for their whole life? Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, you know, anyway, enough, enough aura. Stuff is coming. It's just coming slowly. That's what she said. Uh, <laughs> oh, Ryan. You had an interesting scenario pop up at one of your tables this week. Tell us about it. I did. Um... So one of the groups that I've been playing in, we've been playing for, oh, the better part of a year. Um, our DM has decided to take a step back for um, some issues that he has going on. Uh, you know, uh, obviously he's, um, you know, he said it's probably going to be some time before we get this campaign back to the table. So we wrapped up the gaming session and, you know, the question came up, well, you know, what do you do next when the guy who's been running the game for a year just suddenly decides that, you know, as of this is his last session for a while, what do you do with that group? Yeah, I think we've all been in that position. It's not a fun position by any means, but we've been there, man. Um, phew, there's so many different directions you can go, right? Um, right. What did your group decide? And then we'll talk about you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda. So what we are, what we decided to do is for our next couple of gaming sessions, we're just going to do like one shots and pre-builds, things like fiasco or something like that, where we still get to hang out together, still get to enjoy some gaming, but we're not sort of campaign oriented. And then, uh, you know, we're going to have some people bring some things to the table. One person talked about 
resurrecting an old campaign that they uh, had from, oh, about a year ago that um, we stopped because only three of us could regularly make the game days at the time. So we, we stopped playing that one and moved to something that was more reasonable for everybody. Um, so they talked about bringing that back and introducing new characters. There were talks of, you know, um, playing something in the same system, bring playing something in different systems. So it's still kind of up in the air as far as what we're going to do. I believe that the plan, like I said, is to do some, uh, some, you know, individual game days, uh, to kind of, you know, reset and then to make an official decision from there. But, uh, we're right now we're leaning towards going back to, uh, unknown armies. Ah, not, not a bad choice at all. Hey, it's, it's funny, you know, I guess we're kind of thematic in a chaotic way this week because on the flip side of our torture of the week, um, <laughs> I'm going to try to bend your ear to something that it's been out for a while, but it's new to me and it really took me. And I said, we could play this at our table and it sort of fits the mold for what you might be looking for, for your table. So we'll circle back on the end of the last segment and see if you think it might be worth uh, running up the flagpole with that group. But uh, I, I, I don't want to put the cart before the horse. So, um, we, we will definitely talk about it. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the sell because I'm already sold. Um, it's eight bucks and it's not a blue check mark. Although you can uh, certainly be a check mark hero for just eight bucks and sponsor the Nerd Cognito blue check mark, just like Cinnamander did. Hey, Sin, uh, great guy awesome takes and definitely a friend of our part of the hobby give him a follow at cinnamander c-y-n-n-a-m-a-n-d-e-r uh he ponied up eight bucks and he is the checkmark hero you too should do the same we'll close out the year with that blue checkmark that's causing oh so much trouble oh so many problems <laughs> you know what it's funny um if if you're following, and I know you're not, Bert, so I'm telling you, um, right. Elon, you know my 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 hero, Elon, <laughs> <laughs> uh, has yanked the check marks from all of the other folks. But there are a handful of people that are whining and complaining about it just going away, and he's totally trolling them. He is being there. Checkmark hero. By openly saying to folks like Stephen King and Neil Gaiman that I am paying for your $8 for you to maintain your check mark. <laughs> and and, and, I, and it's, it's glorious. So look, we're ahead of the times with the Checkmark Hero program. <laughs> anyway, the 8 bucks is the cost of this thing that we're going to talk about later. This thing, this thing of ours. I, I maybe shouldn't say that on the air. <laughs> <laughs> uh, back to your group uh yeah i i think reset time is is critical even if you are doing like those one-shot things hey you should play uh ghoul boys i've been wanting to do that for a while and it's cheap too and it's it's designed for sort of the scenario that, that you put out there fiasco is always available a uh, bunch of one shots you can do uh 
I'll lend you my DCC book, and you can run them through a, a good old meat grinder for, for a <laughs> session. Uh, there, there's all sorts of all sorts of options you can do. I th- I think you're on the right path, though. You don't start something grandiose until everybody's had a chance to mentally hit the reset button, and right. it, it's a good plan. Uh, how many how many is your group going to be left with? When when this shakes out, uh, five. Oh, that's plenty. That's plenty. So yeah, reset. Uh, bring a board game one week. Run some one shots. Uh, maybe do some stuff from the red room. Right. You could do some interesting one or two session things with anything in the wretched verse. Right. Um, I was looking at wretched epoch since we reviewed it on the show, and I was I was so kind of enamored with it. I thought about doing, you know, a one shot or maybe a two shot with that that setting. Yeah, it's sweet. And that is, I think, the perfect, you know, the perfect length of time, especially since, uh, and and I might be um, assuming here, but I'm assuming that the group is not OSR heavy. It might be a good way to bring a system like that to them without them feeling like they are being shoved into a meat grinder. Right. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's it's sort of a it's sort of a mixed group. Uh like our very own uh, you know, Nerd Cognito gaming table. We've got, you know, two people who well, one guy who prefers crunchy systems, one guy who can play in any system, you know, one character, one guy who's relatively new to gaming and then a couple of uh people who have sort of who favor, you know, one system over another. So yeah, no, it's uh, it's a good combination, and I find that when and this is terrible because you know we get pigeonholed as an OSR show, and I right. always say we're not an OSR show. We, we talked about this before we went on the air today, right? Um, no, it was on the air. Where the fuck is my brain? Um, with a group of that makeup. It's important to at least have the respect for the other folks at the table to realize that they may need some kid gloves if you're going to throw them into something a little more serious. And and there's nothing wrong with that by any stretch of right. the imagination. No, I mean, I've I played in systems where you were pretty sure your character was going to die. Nobody was going to win. Uh, the original Call of Cthulhu system comes to mind. <laughs> well, you no weren't sure with the, with the mechanics. If you, <laughs> you're like, huh? It, it Wait, was, I'm a seasoned it, gamer, and this doesn't make sense. I, right, always... it was Go Insane or Die was pretty much the, the two endings for any uh, original call of cthulhu campaign <laughs> hey let me put something out there for you too and um feel free to purchase it using the uh link to drive through from nerdcognito.com because you know we get pennies off of every purchase um 10 candles for for a one-nighter with that group oh yeah uh, yeah that would be a good one 10 candles is amazing and I've never actually played it. I've heard good things about it, but I've never like sat down and gone through it or set up a game of it. It's tragic horror. You can let them know right up front that by the end of it, everybody's going to die. And it's not the finish that counts. It's how you get there that counts. 
Uh, so pick it up. It's it's uh, definitely in my top five uh, for horror. Probably in my top three. So uh, give it a shot. It it lends itself really well, and it's designed to be a one and done. So very uh, cool. Yeah, I think uh, your group will be will be fine. It'll be fine. It's always rough when when something shifts gears like that. But the facts are, you know, if you have a solid group, and it sounds like you do, that's at least willing to sort of branch out and and sort of take in the news of the world, then you're going to be just fine with the reset and wherever that may take you. Oh, you had to say news. I do. That's, That's the shtick. Right? right, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did say it, though. Um, it's funny. I said news of the world, too. Uh, my brain must be hearkening back to... Uh, I was having a conversation with uh, some of our friends uh, this week, and we were talking about how we miss the weekly world news slash news of the world. And I really <laughs> want to know what... News. I I really want to know what Bat Boy is up to. Oh man, the one of the, the worst tabloid of all time. The, the, shut your mouth. I I remember this vividly because in high school and college I subscribed to Weekly World News. And you knew what it was. Like they made no bones about it. it it's it's kind of like Babylon B now, right? It, it was the best fake news that you could buy in your supermarket shopping line. Right, Bigfoot in secret meetings with the president about... You know. <laughs> it was fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, arguably surpassed the great Mad Magazine in that era. I'm talking mid to late 90s. So, uh, spectacular. I wish it never went away. I know they did a crowdfunder a couple of years ago to try to bring it back, but... They didn't do it right. They weren't bringing it back in print. They were going to bring it back digitally and and do this like an e-newsletter slash zine thing. And no, 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 no. If you're going to bring it back, you got to bring it back in cheap black and white print. And that's that's just the way it is. So, well, I've been gushing about Picard and the last final season of Picard and how good it is especially for the folks that just despise new Trek. I said, you got to try it. Uh, the media is coming around and I give the pop media a really hard time as do the ladies on the Twitter machine for nerd cognito, which if you're not following nerd cognito, do follow them at nerd cognito. Uh, they're finally coming around too. Here is a headline for you, Bert, because I know what I say sometimes has to be taken with with consideration that it's coming from me. And you know what my likes and what my dislikes are. Well, Yes, I do. <clears throat> I'm familiar with you by now. The headline is, Star Trek Picard succeeded in every way the Mandalorian failed. Now, not to I stoke the Trek versus Wars battle. That's not my goal here. I'm just... Putting it right. out there because The Mandalorian came out with a very strong opening season and a reasonably strong follow-up in the second season. 
but there have been some missteps since then <laughs> that that the the Star Wars fans that are diehards are really just all over. And it's kind of the same feeling, although a different avenue, but the same destination that I felt as a Star Trek fan with the first two seasons of Picard. And and now with that redemption, I realize I'm not full of shit. I am not looking at this through rose-colored glasses. It really is that good. I just sent you a picture um, from the next to the last episode of Picard. And yes, that is the Enterprise D bridge. And yes, that is the command crew of 1701D in their respective chairs on the bridge. And yeah, it's fan service, but it's exactly the fucking fan service that Star Trek has needed for a long time. Do you think that's the original set? No, no, no. They they actually said that they went through painstaking efforts to recreate the set because the original set does not exist. Oh, that's a shame. Oh, but, I... And they did a good job with the recreation. It looks, now, you know, as dork. I remember. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big dork, and I paused it and said, <whistles> Wow. Now, I know that there are going to be people that are bigger dorks than me that are going to go frame by frame and 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 like inch by inch through the through the pictures and fuck you they did a great job recreating this set and in the show they even have a little funny um and this is not a spoiler by any means but picard walks onto the bridge and he you know they're kind of wowed too because if you recall according to canon uh, the saucer section of the Enterprise D was crash landed when they let the stupid fucking counselor drive. Um, <laughs> uh, but Jean Luc walks on and he goes uh, something to the effect of, "I missed this carpeting." <laughs> so, uh, poking fun at the the carpet on the bridge of of the Enterprise D. Yeah, I mean, the, and uh, the. Uh... You and your, you know, you're still irate about the about Counselor Troy driving the ship. I just hate Marina Sirtis, and I've never liked Troy as a character, so it's the great conjunction of hatred for me and as far as Star Trek goes. Okay, take uh, a deep breath. I'm fine, I'm fine. Um, there's my breath. Let's talk about Gloomhaven. All right, what about Gloomhaven? Uh, a couple months ago, we talked, I believe, in the news about how Cephalofair is going to be publishing the Gloomhaven RPG this summer. We did. And uh, it's going to be an interesting thing that uh, I don't want to buy it, but I know I'm going to, and I'm going to hate myself philosophically for giving them the money, but I have to. Um, it, it just keeps growing and growing and growing. Uh they announced a launch date for the crowdfunding campaign and have announced that in true Gloomhaven fashion, a line of more than 600, that's six with two zeros, Gloomhaven miniatures will also accompany the Gloomhaven role-playing game. Wow. it's a lot of miniatures. That's a lot of minis. Um, 
know, I'm, I'm kind of a two minds about it. I mean, Gloomhaven, you know, is a popular board game for a reason. You know, it's great. But, you know, the it seems like more and more we're seeing, you know, intellectual properties like jump to the tabletop setting. And, I mean, do you think that that's a long-term viable business model? Some companies, they just buy the rights to an IP and churn out book after book for role-playing for all kinds of different systems. Isaac's keeping it in, like, it's him, right? It's still mm-hmm. just him. Um, okay. Only now grown to the to the point where they can support a campaign like this. My thought isn't that they're watering it down. My thought is if you're going to do a tabletop role-playing game, then you need to do a tabletop role-playing game. This, especially when you're that miniature focused, is it going to be a hundred percent tabletop role-playing? Is it going to be war game? Is it going to be board game? Is it going to be 30% of each? And that's not what I want. I want 100% Gloomhaven tabletop pen and paper role playing and when i see this yes i see cash grab because the core set of miniatures it's around 250 minis okay will will be you know one box and then everything else is an add-on for the miniatures if you're a painter that's great but i can't fathom how long 600 miniatures is going to take you and knowing them just the way they do crowdfunding, and they do it right. They have great marketing, great design. They deliver, and when they're close at the end, they they just push it over the top because they take the approach that they should, which is, hey, we just raised $8 million. You can have the extra three miniatures. <laughs> um, I, I, I've been meaning to ask you about, you know, I, I noticed something with miniatures. Like, we are seeing more and more like games going to like all miniatures or huge amounts of miniatures. Like, do you really think that that's a, like an improvement over something simple like tokens or meeples or I don't. And I'm saying this biased, not a painter, right? Right. Neither. I don't have the fine motor skills for that. If we had my very good friend, the t-shirted historian on the show, he would tell me that as a painter, Yes, but mechanically, no. Look at it. What is uh, my favorite app-based miniatures board game? You can answer this. Can I? You can. <laughs> Let me think. App-based miniatures board game. Uh, or mansions? App, pardon me? Mansions? Yes, Mansions of Madness. Yeah. Where Where are my Mansions of Madness miniatures? <laughs> they are still sealed in the bags. I never even opened them because there are tokens available for us to play. Right. That and that that's that's where I stand on the issue. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I had a friend who ordered a game through Kickstarter, and I'm not going to mention which game it is, but when they got it, it had so many miniatures. He wound up with like a hundred and six dollar shipping bill to pick, to get the game. Oh, absolutely. Gotham City Chronicles cost me upwards of 75 bucks in shipping. Right. It's never been opened. <laughs> that, that, I mean, that, that's another segment with, with a psychologist, though. Uh, 
I hear you. I hear you. I think that, what, I don't even remember what that had. Maybe 200 minis. Right. Maybe 250 minis. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, 600 plus miniatures. Mm. Don't know. Don't know. And especially, again, when it comes to gameplay, I just don't know. I mean, I yeah, wish them. I, mean, I I can't say that I wish them well either because they've said some boneheaded stuff. Um, I can't yeah, I mean, support dollars going into some of the channels that they are supporting. But from a game standpoint, again, I try to be objective, and I I can't deny their combination of mechanics was a breath of fresh air in the hobby. And uh, it will be interesting to see how it translates to the tabletop role-playing game. If anything, I'm, I'm probably... Like, if there is just a core book option, and as more information comes out, if it's fucking playable as just a straight tabletop role-playing game, I'll get it, right? But if it's leaning into the minis at that point, then I'm just going to pull out a board game that I like better. Right, I mean, as somebody who's run a game, can you imagine trying to keep track of 600 unique individual minis to find the one you need? No, that's a fucking curio cabinet just for that game. Right. And space is a premium in my game room right now. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you've already got shelves exploding. So, uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Hey, here's a quickie. Uh the world it be changing to make sure that nobody gets their feelings hurt and uh this one caught me by surprise because country not known for being super woke would be japan Mm. and they're progressive they're progressive but not woke and, and I'm okay with progressive. I'm not okay with woke. I don't want to cross the line of politics, right? Uh, Nintendo has changed the name of Wrecking Crew character Blackie to match his Western name, Spike. Okay. Because they're afraid that the character name of Blackie might hurt feelings. Well, I mean, I can see why. Uh, it, it, it doesn't, it's not, uh, business-wise, it's not an illogical move for Nintendo to make, especially with the current climate. Is it? I mean, we're talking a pixelated guy in a game that hasn't been seen for better than 40 years that isn't even close to representing anything that the West is going to latch on to. It is a pixel-swapped Mario that still has light skin tones and is wearing a gold suit. And carrying, what is that, a hammer? That's his hammer, yeah. I I, I don't get it. I don't get it. It has... it, It is the most detached thing from identity politics that there could possibly be and we're applying identity politics to it it just doesn't make sense to me and the question is because nintendo plays this stuff pretty close to the vest 
could this be an indicator that they're bringing the character back in some manner, even if it's just as a, a cameo in an upcoming title? Uh, he is in the in the movie, right? And right. he's Spike in the movie. So there, I'm not going to go super conspiracy theory on this. There's the possibility that they're aligning their brand. But, you know, how how much of it is brand alignment? How much of it, of it is just getting it out of the crosshairs before someone digs it up? I don't know. It's just a shorty. It rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, considering the current climate, I, I don't see that being a, a real, it doesn't really impact me one way or the other, but I don't see it being an illogical uh, suggestion for Nintendo. Hey, we were talking about this next, well, not this next story, but this next topic of the next story. Uh, one night after game nights. Uh, what would be the film that pops into your mind? It, uh, let's play Password, okay? Okay. <laughs> you know me in, in, in game shows, right? All right, here we go. Um Russian Rocky Four Wasteland Chernobyl Uh Sci Fi Uh Tarkovsky. Dr. Strangelove. Oh, Stalker. 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 Uh, I, I should have given... I couldn't because it would have been an illegal clue because it's two words. Uh, sci-fi was probably an illegal clue, too. I should have said four-hour movie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Stalker is now named the greatest science fiction movie of all time. As recorded by Rotten Tomatoes. Well, that's an interesting choice. Better than like something like Metropolis or yeah, yeah. I, I mean, do. there are a lot of huge iconic sci-fi films. I wouldn't have put Stalker at the top of my list. No, I don't think a four-hour trog through. I mean, don't get me wrong. The idea is powerful, and yes, I've watched Stalker. Um, I had a film studies class when I was first exposed to it. In, oh, I don't even want to say the year because I feel old. <laughs> but uh, we watched it there. I think and, I've only seen excerpts from the film. Yeah, well, Stalker Now is been listed as the number one Rotten Tomatoes science fiction movie. So that is putting it above all of the greats. Uh, it's right. putting it above the original Alien. It's putting it above. Oh, shit, you know, I mean, everything, right? It's number 2001, one. like, you know, there were a ton of, like, iconic sci-fi films out there. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, I don't know, I don't know, uh, it was very long and very poignant, but I don't know that I would call it number one like the top of the top 
Right. I mean, it, like I said, it wouldn't, it certainly wouldn't make the top of my list. I've never sat down and watched the entire thing, but there are so many other like iconic touchstones in sci-fi that I think of when I think of what would be like the number one sci-fi movie. Right. And we can rattle them off and probably hit the other 10 in the list. You said 2001, that would be my pick, right? Um, right. Uh, Blade Runner, Metropolis, oh, Star Blade Runner, Wars, Metropolis. Yeah, yeah. Matrix, the original Alien, uh, Mad Max. There's, there's so many that just should be there, right? And I don't think that Stalker, and maybe it's part of the Lost in Translation bit. Maybe it's the four hours of gray movie bit. <laughs> <laughs> but I just don't see it. Um, have, have you ever made it the whole way through four hours of gray Russian movie? Uh, not Stalker, but I have watched a couple of Russian films. And there are a couple of, uh, was it Danish or Swedish films that are like that too, where it's like, you know, this huge, long and not you know, visually stunning thing. Like it may have an amazing story, but uh, with a film, you have to show me something. Right. Right. Well, you know, if anything, we can at least say that this is as ranked by critics. So it is people that are sitting there with their notebooks and critiquing every little moment of the film. Um, hmm. Which also doesn't always jive with the science fiction genre in general. Right, right. I mean, with sci-fi, there has to be some suspension of disbelief. Yeah, and, uh, well, we'll see. I, I'm not going to be watching it anytime soon. Uh, I'd rather watch Terminator. So. <laughs> <laughs> Your clothes, give them to me. That is the news. Uh, I can't do Arnie. I never could. Yeah, no, I, I was never. I never had a very good Austrian accent. Either. You know who has a really good Schwarzenegger? Victor Gorchev. <laughs> oh, really? I did not know that. He does. Um, also, uh, probably runner up to that is uh, our good our good friend Greg Lambert, Iris Chronicles. Uh, he does a really good Arnie too. <laughs> All right. We need something to play at the Nerd Cognito table. We do. Uh, I've been sort of putting feelers out everywhere because I want something. Uh, I always say, I want something different. I want something different. I think I found something different. And I don't know how hard of a sell it's going to be. Okay. So I'm going to pitch you and tell you about it here, and you're going to tell me how hard of a sell it's going to be. I think Dan's already on board. If okay. I give him the first two sentences, he'll be like, yeah, I'll play that. But the rest of the group, I'm not so sure. Um, and again, right. this is not a new game, but it's new to me. It, it somehow has not crossed my radar until two weeks ago. And the game is called The Quiet Year. Okay. Now, so, no, go ahead. Let's just say, so what's the elevator pitch? Tell me about The Quiet Year. All right, 30 seconds. No, not even 30 seconds, 15 seconds. The Quiet Year is a tabletop role-playing, city-building, map-making game. Okay. 
You play as a community rebuilding after the collapse of civilization. So your decisions steer the ship as far as values and the future of the community. Uh, it blends quite literally pen and paper cartography with some random elements, including dice and cards. And all you need to play the game are the core rules, a deck of kice, a deck of kice, a deck of cards. Okay. Some dice and what they call contempt tokens, i.e. poker chips. All right. Well, that seems like reasonable things you'd have sitting around. I mean, I, I don't have a deck of kites anywhere. Can you order those on Amazon? <laughs> you can order anything on Amazon except for a Russian bride. So, <laughs> and she would fucking dig some stalker, man. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. What do you do? You clear your table. You want a minimalistic environment. Uh, you put your deck of cards out, split them by the suits, and stack them. Put a blank piece of paper in the center of the table. That's going to be your world map. And you go to town. Um, it, the rules step you through everything that you need, from sketching terrain to talking about uh, resources, which are generically either abundant or scarce. And there are scenarios, events, both positive and negative, mostly negative, that you have to overcome as a group making these decisions to steer your little community towards survival. Hmm. Bird, I want to play this game. Now, this is intriguing because there's not only does it have value like for the game itself, like it does sound like a yeah, I, I assume that like it's a progression over time type deal. So like tensions can rise, you can reduce tensions, like all depending on how you play the game as you go along. You are correct. You are correct. Oh, okay. And, and you know, uh, based on your card draws. And, of course, you can buy the fancy schmancy deck of cards that's skewed towards the game, but they outwardly say you can play this with a standard 52-card de deck, and we have here's a translation table for you. Um, stuff happens, right? This monster attacks. This catastrophe happens. Uh, there's a shortage of this or something of that or, you know... Wolves ate your sheep. I don't know. <laughs> um, so you play a card, you adjust the dice based on that card, you take an action, and uh, the actions are core actions. You discover, you discuss, or you start a new project. All right. Now, as somebody who, uh, you know, runs role-playing games regularly or has run a number of role-playing games in the past, so, um, you know, I could see this having value even beyond the game. You can use it to sort of establish, you know, a recent history and a location for, you know, an upcoming game of your own. Bingo. If you're running something post-apocalyptic, you are creating a living environment. You're creating your world for your next 
truly post-apocalyptic role-playing game. Uh, I've, uh, I'm, I'm in. So let's put it this way. Play the quiet year, and you've built your starting settlement for World Without Number. Yeah, Worlds Without Number is a good choice for that. Uh, you know, you could you could do all kinds of things, you know, uh, all kinds of systems would fit. But that, uh, like I said, the game itself sounds like fun. You know, it's something different. I mean, you know, drawing a map and creating a city and things like that. It reminds me of something like um, like dungeon builders or things like that, that, that uh, we've done... I, I've done similar things in the past, you know, like random dump dungeon generators. Oh, sh- shit, like what that. did uh, Dan and I do over uh, the holiday uh, this winter? Right? We sat down for two nights and randomly generated a dungeon. <laughs> and it was it was great. Um, cheap, 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 too. The PDF is eight bucks, Bert. Oh, wow, you can't beat that. No. I mean, for that price, you know, that's... Do you, so here's here's the question. Can I sell this to one or two other people to the point where, and I don't even know if they'll need the PDF, but that they'd A, be willing to play, or B, be willing to play and pony up eight bucks if they want their own copy? Yeah, um, I think yeah, I can. I think, I think that you could. Um, you know, looking at the group, like who we've had at the table in the past, you know, Dan will play anything. I'm always up for something different. You know that. So that's three right there. Uh, some of the other folks, like, I could see them being more interested in, you know, sort of, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff. Like you said, you know, as stresses rise and things like that, I can see them being more interested in that. But I don't think that would prevent them from playing the game. No, you know who I think would have been the hardest sell, and we don't have to worry about it, is Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he's uh, definitely more a man of action than a man of planning. So there you go. I just bought it. <laughs> um, I guess uh, we're gonna talk to Dan this week and see see what we've got. Uh, but yeah, a quiet year or the quiet year. Uh, coming to the Nerd Cognito table. See, that wasn't a hard sell at all. That was not a hard sell. No, it's very, uh, yeah, like I said, you got me interested in it now because, you know, as the as somebody who loves sort of homebrewed campaigns, this is like a perfect first step for something like that. You are creating your own settlement. You have, you know, a time period worth of history. So you could say, oh, well, Last winter was particularly bad. We had, you know, wolves and, you know, yeah. things like that. So, like, you can, there are, care, you know, there are sort of touchstones that you can work into. And then all you have to do is sort of flesh it out with some NPCs. And you've got a good place for characters to begin. Yeah, and I told you I was going to button hook you and, and bring it all back around. Your group is looking for something to play. Do you think you That's could sell true. them an $8 experience like this because this is definitely yeah, going to be I mean, more than one night right 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 i mean you're looking at you know a, a couple of sessions i would say you know does, does it tell you the thing the pdf says a year's time right so i'm probably thinking 
you know, four to six hours if you've got a chatty group, you know? Oh, I'm thinking four to six sessions. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I really am. But, I, I again, I've not played it. If you've played it, write in and tell us. Uh, write nerdcognitopodcast at gmail.com and tell us your experience with the quiet year uh you can also even better than writing in you can let your voice be heard you can call in and tell us about it at 323-694-4242 the nerd cognito hotline baby 323-694-4242 calling and messaging rates apply make sure you tell us who you are and remember we might play your opinion on the show 323-694-4242. Yeah, tell us if you've played this game because I really want to play the game. And if it sounds like something you really want to play at your table, click on the link in the show notes or click through to drive through RPG from nerdcognito.com just so that we can get a little bit of cash out of your purchase. And by a little bit, I mean like pennies. But every little bit helps, so... Yeah, the quiet year, man. I love city builders as evidenced by my hour count in city skylines. I <laughs> Yeah, I mean considering how busy the our, our lives are, I I I a uh, quiet year sounds like a dream come true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was dis- disappointed uh that they actually announced City Skylines 2 is coming out. Um disappointed in the fact that i have so much invested in the original one like how many years do i have invested in that game Uh, i'm gonna have to start all over (laughs) and i'm not exactly in the place where i was back when i played it heavy heavy where i can just sit and mindlessly play it for days at a time right i I don't have that luxury anymore, so I'm I'm worried that all of my hard work and my city skyline stuff is going to go to waste 1,431.3 hours. Well, you certainly got your money's worth out of it. I did, and they certainly got their money out of me, too, because that's every expansion that they have, not counting some of their frou-frou DLC that's like a radio station. Or a reskin of the office building. Um, But every functional DLC I have. uh, Hopefully the quiet year is going to provide lots of hours of entertainment for just eight data. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. It's something that I could see that, you know, as somebody who, you know, I'm thinking about stepping up. One of the things I thought about doing was offering a few one shots of my own as somebody who's thinking about stepping up and running for my some of my groups uh it, it would be a great first step and i could see myself using it as a as a tool uh even more than just as a game right right and you know what this also um is is good because you don't necessarily need someone to run the game you're all participating in running the game so there's no you know you're going to have highly limited prep and everybody's going to have their hands dirty in in the creation of your community and how bad can it be you know 16 pages a deck of cards and some dice it's that sounds like a winner to me 
So, anything else uh, crossing your mind this week, my friend? No, I'm. Uh, I think I'm pretty good. How about you? No, I'm. I'm. I mean, I could rant and rave about the normal stuff, but there's nothing new that that's come around. You know, there's you know some people posting their DMs or, or photographs of their DMs on, on Twitter that I thought was ridiculous. You know, it's people like wearing their elf ears and doing full glam makeup. Who's this about? Is it about your game or is it about you getting clicks on your Insta? <laughs> hmm. um, this It's been reasonably quiet. A lot of the same stuff's going around. I don't want to rehash the same stuff that we've talked about. We know what people like, what people dislike, and what the the sparkly ones complain about. And they don't have anything new. So I got nothing to beat them up about this week. I'm just letting them exist in their glittery universe. There's nothing wrong with that. Nope, nope, nope. All right. I guess we better wrap this show up. Um, reminders, as always. Follow the ladies that run the Nerd Cognito Twitter account. They always have interesting, thought-provoking stuff that they're posting on there. Uh, a lot of times, the things that we talk about are birthed there. And... Uh, can follow them at nerdcognito surprise surprise you can also follow me on twitter at i hate ryan david yes you heard that right uh i am chiming in a lot more than i typically do just because some of the stupidity needs a kick in the ass and my foot is ready to do the job <laughs> in addition to following us on the social medias, uh, we want you to make sure that you are liked, subscribed, and please, please, please tell your friends about the show. It's the only way that the show grows is through your recommendation. So if you like what you hear and you like our opinions, you don't have to agree with them. But if we provide you with a little bit of entertainment and you think your buddies would dig it, tell them to to give us a subscribe to. You can subscribe on all major podcast providers, including the one you're listening to us on right now. You can also get the show direct at nerdcognito.com. That's all that's that's all we got for the plugs this week. I got nothing. Um I guess it's time for us just to fade off for another week while I burn the midnight oil and try to get auras out, and Bert tries to pull this group together to play the quiet year, which is funny because you might get it to the table before we do at the Nerd Cognito table <laughs> <laughs> if it's something that you're thinking about. Um, my name is Ryan David. I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in and listening and remind you that we'll be here and we'll talk at you next week. Be safe out there, everybody. No!